Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner, Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual and back from vacation, CFP, Allison Debril. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 757-627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our client's interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it as a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. you got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, Retirement plans, 401ks, TSPs, 43Bs, 457s, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance that we are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Hola, senorita. Oh, hola. <laughs> yes, I was down in Mexico brushing up on my non-existent Spanish, <laughs> but I got around okay. <laughs> so you're now more fluent in Spanish than French. Well, it you know, there's a lot of crossover. So my French did help me get around in Spanish. I think I mostly just guess what people are saying within what I think the context is. So I'm just like, see, sí, no, see. Sí, yeah. right. um, but it was good. Other than, other than a little bit of uh, water bacteria issues, it was really good. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Question for you though, before we get down to business, NCAA tournament, you got your picks in? No. When, when, do, when does Thursday. that start? Is Thursday. it Thursday? Thursday. I'm looking at you, Damien. Hey, I know the answer. Why are you not looking at me? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I haven't done mine yet, though. I don't know that it's uh, over the years it's been dropping in priority as I've had to let things drop off my list. I think this <laughs> might be one of the things. Well, I don't follow it close enough. I like to watch the tournament when it happens, but I don't fall enough in the regular season to really know who's doing what. So, uh, yeah, we have a neighborhood pool with about like 15 people in it. 
and I just like take the expert autofill. And, How's and that I guess go you, for you, you can do that. No, yeah, I'll, no. Tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how that goes. That goes horrible. Uh, you know, they have like pre-selected, like the bracketologist. Like I don't know where you get this bracketology degree, <laughs> but allegedly people call themselves bracketologists because they know more than the average bear about how teams are going to fare in the tournament. So I just pre-select that and submit that almost every year. I am last or second to last with Excellent. the quote unquote expert picks. Perfect. In the tournament. But that way I don't remain so emotionally invested in the whole thing. Oh, because it wasn't of, your I can pick. blame somebody yeah. else. <laughs> I see. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I so just Thursday. go with the general uh feeling. You yeah. Know? I the just uniform colors? No, I don't just the general feeling about the the name. The name the names? <laughs> like uh, the a, mascots? I mean, I haven't gotten that detailed, but I could. If there was a close tie, you know, yeah. I could look at the colors and the, the mascots. <laughs> yeah, well, believe me, you will almost certainly do better than I do. <laughs> okay, perfect. We should do an office pool No, sometime. no, oh, we shouldn't. Okay. No, right. well, I'll, I'll just make me angry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, down to business. Uh, we like to keep this show focused on financial planning topics um, and strategies for you to maximize your financial resources and always try to you know live the best quality life as possible but there are some aspects of the financial planning process that um, are more investment related so we want to talk about some of that tonight and we do want to address the elephant in the room that you're probably hearing so much about because we've been getting calls we want to talk about a little bit about banks and FDIC insurance. Right. And the soundness and safety of the entire banking system. And yes, we are sort of loath to react to every single crisis of the day, uh, as we call them, because there is always a new crisis of the day. Anybody waiting for perfect clarity and certainty in an economy as large as the United States is, will be waiting for the rest of their life. There's always something going on um, that can be a little unsettling. So the current crisis du jour is um, the fact that there were a couple banks that uh, have gone out of business. And so I, I, whenever there's a crisis or something, I think it's always best to, to meet it head on, talk about it, uh, and try to uh, see it with clear-eyed uh, from a clear-eyed perspective, and then determine if there's anything that needs to be done about it. So, you know, essentially speaking, the um, the banks that have uh, run into problems have been very unique type of banks. In fact, uh, they bear little resemblance to the local banks we have here in Hampton Roads, uh, whether they be credit unions, uh, small community banks, startup type of banks, or uh, the larger banks like Truist and Bank of America. Our deposit base here in Hampton Roads and the rest of the country bears little resemblance to what was going on at Silicon Valley Bank. And so as the name suggests, born out of the Silicon Valley, meant that their deposit base, their customers, were largely tech-related companies and startup tech-related companies. So really some of the uh, most risky type of companies that exist in one of the most volatile type of um, industries that exist. And 
if there's anywhere that we've seen um, softness in the economy or layoffs in the economy, we're seeing it in the tech sector. You do see uh, companies like Google and Facebook and some other those big technology companies actually laying off people, where almost everybody else in the economy is still looking to actively hire and can't find enough people to hire. So technology is just one of those areas where it's it's feast or famine. Uh, their highs are higher and their lows are lower, and it's just more volatile. So when you have a deposit base made up of tech companies who deposit their some of their earnings there and use that to pay the company payroll, and you have um, employees of tech companies, um, then when there is a when there's a problem, when we, when we, there's an economic slowdown, and those companies are hit harder than the rest uh, of the country and other and rest of other industries, it's only natural that's going to affect a bank that is concentrated. Uh, around that deposit base. So, you know, employees get laid off or they're unsure of their their future. They start withdrawing more money out of the bank than they put into it because they need it to pay their mortgage and make the car payment. Same thing with companies. If uh, their revenue is starting to decline, but they still have to make payroll and pay the rent in their large office buildings and so on and so forth, they start withdrawing more money out of their bank account than they're putting into it. Uh, and then there, I guess there was also some other complicating factors in that the bank uh, was engaging in sort of uh, higher risk lending activities in startup type of businesses, the tech industries, or newly formed businesses that are less certain, their, their revenue less predictable. Um, so that carries with it a higher risk. Some of those did not perform, which means the bank doesn't get paid back. And then to further complicate things, I think they made some, uh, like a traditional bank takes your deposits in, and then what it doesn't lend out, it then uh, usually purchases bonds, treasury bonds, which are very safe in the in the fact that you're going to get your money back over a certain amount of time with interest. But the price of even treasury bonds fluctuates with interest rates. So we all know we've been in a rising interest rates environment over the last um, over the last six months or so, and rising interest rate rates and bond values act like a seesaw. So when rates go up, bond values go down. And so when the bank had to sell some of their bonds uh, in order to meet depositor demands, they had to sell them at a loss. And so all these competing factors working at the same time just created sort of the perfect storm, and boom, you have a bank going defunct. Now, it's important to note that even if the bank goes out of business, which looks like it it's going to, the depositors the customers of the bank are being made whole. And there is zero concern about that, at least from anything I've read at this point. You got the FDIC insurance up to $250,000 per account. Um, that covers uh, probably about 90% of your average uh, banking customer there. Um, anything above that, uh, I have read that uh, the FDIC insurance fund has also agreed to basically backstop all of it. So even amounts over $250,000 are being um, paid out to the depositors, and it's happening this week. There's not even a delay in the amount of time between a bank going, um, going belly up and a customer receiving their deposits back, where traditionally, if that would happen, it could be weeks or months before the claims get processed, and that is not happening uh, in this case. So it's a very unique type of bank 
with unique characteristics that bear little resemblance to the rest of the banking sector. Therefore, we think there is no need for alarm, concern, or certainly not any panic regarding the situation. And we can talk a little bit more about FDIC insurance, because I think a lot of people are pretty attuned into that that level of $250,000. It is per account registration. So it's not actually per person, but per account registration. So if you are a married couple and the one spouse has an account with 250 and the other spouse has an account with $250,000, and then maybe you have a joint account with $250,000. And then maybe for those people that have more complicated affairs, if you have a trust and the trust owns a bank account, it can be insured up to $250,000. So you can spread your funds across different account registrations at the same bank and get additional protection because we we like the idea of consolidating as much as possible especially as you age and you go into retirement simplifying and consolidating is is usually preferred but you can you can still do that and keep your account balances um, insured up to the FDIC level. Right. So multiple accounts get you multiple coverage at the same financial institution. So you don't have to spread it out all around town. You just have to have multiple accounts, but you can at least keep it at the same institution and enjoy that same level of insurance protection, um, which I have to stress is still an extremely low probability event that any bank is going to have to rely on that insurance, especially the bread and butter banks of a community bank or a credit union, which basically, you know, we all learn from It's a Wonderful Life. You know, when when everyone wants their money at once, well, it's not all sitting in cash in the vault. You make a deposit and a portion of that 50, 60 percent then gets turned around and lent out to other customers of the bank in the form of credit cards or car loans or signature loans or lines of credit to the check attached to the checking account or home equity line of credit or a mortgage. And then those people who borrow that money pay it back slowly over time. And so that the depositors always, you know, the, the the bank has enough working capital to meet the ordinary demands of depositors and withdrawals at the bank. But if everyone wants it all at once for for whatever reason, no, it's going to take some time before that gets done. So these are unique circumstances. We don't think it's going to spread. Uh, I mean, there are a couple other banks involved. Those two are unique. If you've heard the name Signature out there, Signature Bank, um, they had large bets uh, in cryptocurrency, which if anyone's paying attention to that, uh, that has been on a downward, uh, generally a downward trajectory for the last six months. Um, so that's another unique animal. But uh, all uh, the, the regular style banks and credit unions uh, that we have here in Hampton Roads um, and the deposit bases that we have here at, um, in Hampton Roads bear little resemblance, if no resemblance, to those other banks. And we don't think there's anything to be concerned about. All right, we're going to pause right here, take a short break. We're going to be right back after these messages. Get those calls in now if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS.
welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, Check us out online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. All right. Tonight we want to talk about some myths and realities about investing. There are lots of myths and misconceptions out there about the stock market, about how investing works, about what investing in the stock market actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we wanted to spend a little bit of time to kind of bust some of these myths open and talk about the realities of investing so that as an investor, you have a better understanding of what you're doing. And then you're less likely to be shocked and surprised and to make um, big the big mistake of selling out at the wrong time or buying in at the wrong time. Yeah, as this sort of a market pullback has dragged on now, we had the uh, the last market peak was, uh, I believe, January 4th of 2022. So we are about 14 months uh, past that previous market high and about um, 18% down from that market high as well. So there's a lot of people starting to maybe question uh, what's going on here and what they should do about it. So hopefully we can clear some of that up. Mm-hmm. So we'll just tackle a really basic myth. The stock market always goes up. And really, I'll say the myth could be called the stock market always blank. (laughs) It doesn't always always do anything. Always doesn't apply to the stock market. But you can uh, understand what investing in the stock market actually is. And so you may understand better why it does what it does. When you're investing in the market, if you're investing in stocks, you're investing in companies that produce goods or provide services that are valuable to us as a society. And then as a result of that, they have they make a profit and you are investing in future profits of that company. And so the stock market does not always go up. It doesn't permanently go down. Always is a word you should probably remove from your vocabulary, but it is is going to fluctuate on a regular basis due to corporate earnings and and a lot of other noise mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, obviously on a day-to-day basis it's schizophrenic and uh, it it the market movements on a, in a short term don't make much sense and don't uh, have much significance to the actual valuations of the companies they represent. So Allison said the key words Generally speaking, the stock market is a forward-looking mechanism that responds to the future uh, profitability of the underlying companies and the shares of stock that are on the exchange. So the more profitable a company is likely to be in the future, the more valuable its stock, the more its stock price should rise in the future. And over time, you step back. 10 plus years and take a look at things, then yes, a, almost always a 10-year um, investment period, there is a, there's a, a rising stock market. But in that interim period of time, uh, there could be swift, hard, significant downturns that you have to endure if you want to enjoy the long-run 
higher rates of return of 8, 9, 10% that you typically get out of equities. Yeah, so 10% has been the long-term average of the S&P 500. Well, you almost never earn 10%. You were 20 in 2021, we were up 20%. Last year we were down 20%. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah, it was like a pyramid uh, from start to finish from the beginning of 21 to the end of 22. <laughs> and we're right back where we started at the end of 20. <laughs> so anyway, we'll talk more about that when we come back from the uh, news break. Uh, she's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison Debril, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to that contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you have a more nuanced question, would like to speak to a human being, give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Want to remind everybody our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, March 28th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, then get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go, and listen at your leisure. And for those of you into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. Search for Wealthway Financial Advisors. Hit that like button, and usually about once a week, we have an informative and useful financial planning-oriented post. All right. If you got a question or comment about your personal financial situation, want to jump on the phone lines, give us a call here in the studio, 627-7979, or we're going to keep going through our list of investing myths. Yes, myths and realities. What you need to understand about investing so that you can still sleep at night, regardless of what is going on in the markets from day to day. So we talked about the stock market doesn't always go up and it doesn't go down permanently. There's no word always around the stock market. Um, Next, we want to talk about what we mentioned when we were talking about what investing in the stock market is, is actually investing in companies that produce goods and provide services and make a profit. And so how that works is when an company has a profit, they can distribute that to their investors, to their shareholders as dividends. And you may think that dividends are so small, you get this little tiny deposit into your account every quarter or maybe at the end of the year, and you don't even really notice it until tax time and you have to pay the tax bill. Um, But dividends are not to be ignored. They are a very important part of the investing piece and can 
make a big difference in your overall return, depending on how you treat your dividends. Yeah. Uh, so most most mature companies, when they have excess profit, excess cash flow, um, the board of directors may declare a dividend, which means that we have enough cash to fund our operations and future growth. Therefore, let's reward our loyal shareholders and distribute some of the profit in the form of a dividend. And then whether you own shares of company stock directly or through a mutual fund that owns the shares in, you know, could be hundreds of different companies, that those dividends get then distributed to you, um, and then you have a choice. You can either take that money and spend it, or use it for a different type of invest investment, or you can reinvest it into the same shares of the same company, or same mutual fund, or same exchange trade fund, or same investment vehicle. I will say as a matter of investment practice, for our clients, we always have the dividends reinvesting into uh, same shares of the same investment that we use. And by so doing, we take maximum advantage of the compounding effect effects of stock uh, equities growth, as well as the dividends that the equities spin off unless there is a unique circumstance with that client's account so that we do have a few uh, uh, exceptions. There's always an exception. There's always an exception. Yeah. We do have Never a couple of accounts that, <laughs> that we purposely have the dividends pay out in cash, but uh, you know, for 98% of our client base, we have those dividends reinvested because that's where you sort of turbocharge your long-term investment returns. Yeah, I saw the stat that uh, since 1945, dividend reinvestment has contributed to 33% of the overall return of the S&P 500. I mean, that's significant. Yeah, and so the typical dividend payout rate is usually about two to 4% of the value of the stock on the date that the dividend is declared and, and paid out. So call it 3%. So there was a time, there was a period of time, not too long ago, you know, for 10 years. Remember when interest rates were almost zero? Remember when you were I getting do. almost zero in your bank savings account? Um, that the dividends from stocks were paying like three times as much as what you would earn in uh, in a bank account, and you have the future growth potential of the stock that you purchase. So uh, it was a it was um, uh, a great time there for a while from uh, an investing standpoint. That uh, from like the twenty let's call it about uh, twenty ten through twenty twenty one, where we had excellent dividend growth and good stock appreciation over that time period. And that's where a lot of the good money got made. And there's still power even in a market downturn because there were stocks that still paid a dividend. And if you reinvested them, then you purchased shares on sale at a discount. Right, Ex excellent point. The best time to buy is when your stock is depressed in value, assuming all other financial characteristics are, you know, still intact there, um, and it's more um, market-driven than fundamental-driven. But yeah, the 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 best time to reinvest those dividends is in a declining market. The best time to add new money to your company retirement plan is when the market is declining because you're buying more shares at a lower price, and when the eventual 
uh, market recovery comes, then you're going to recover much faster and go much higher than everyone else. On the flip side, if you are not in the saving phase, if you're not accumulating and you are in the withdrawal phase, there is another myth that we hear often that, well, I can, I, I can only spend my income, my dividends and my interest. If I can just live off that, then I'll be fine. And there's nothing inherently wrong with doing that. But if you have done your financial planning properly, you don't need to think about it. So, um, Rigidly? Yeah, rigidly, right. So if you have accumulated enough of a nest egg to retire and you remain invested for growth and you keep uh, reinvesting dividends and capital gain distributions, then you can actually live off of even more of your portfolio without fear of running out of money. Uh, that's Everyone hears the quote-unquote safe withdrawal rate. I'm using quote marks there. Um, I mean, there's no one-size-fits-all, even though a lot of books and literature will say it's 3% or it's 4%. There's really no one-size-fits-all. But we can do in-depth financial planning and look at what a safe withdrawal rate would be so that you're not just limited to your dividends and your interest income. Yeah, it's an old, outdated, antiquated notion that you need to get income from your investments in order to have income to spend. That that there was a time that that's what people did. They they retired. They took all all their money from their retirement plan. They bought bank CDs and lived off the interest. Or they bought uh, a high dividend, reliable dividend paying stock like Johnson and Johnson or General Electric or something like that. And then whatever shares that could purchase or whatever size CD it could purchase, that was the amount of interest and dividends that they would live off of. Well, like Allison was saying, you could have a, a much richer, fuller, more enjoyable uh, lifestyle and enjoy more money with a different philosophical investing approach. And, and it is possible to spend more than the income that your investments pay off if you invest properly and you manage it uh, properly as well. Conversely, though, there's a myth that if, well, okay, if the stock market earns historically 10% per year, then realistically I should be able to withdraw 10% per year and never invade my principal and what could possibly go wrong. Yes, because <laughs> everything could go wrong. Um, just because the stock market averages 10% does not mean it ever actually returns 10%. And there is a stat out there, which I can't recall off the top of my head, but like the S&P 500 has only returned like 10% or plus or minus one around that, like between 9-11, like three times over the last yeah, 100 years I believe that. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you can average 10 without ever actually getting 10. And the problem with taking that high of a withdrawal rate is during times such as we're in right now in down periods, when you are... Uh, taking too large of a percentage distribution from your investment portfolio in the, during a, a market decline, it eats into a bigger chunk of the, the portfolio uh, as it's declining. And so when the eventual recovery comes, you have less 
uh, principle and corpus there to recover with it. So the distribution phase is um, more complex than the accumulation phase. So that's why a lot of times as people are transitioning or about to transition into retirement and start to live off their savings, you can enjoy a good healthy income from your investments above whatever interest and dividends they um, your investments throw off, but you have to do it uh, thoughtfully and you know, it's a relatively more sophisticated strategy. We have the uh, financial tools and the experience where that's exactly what we do with our clients. Yeah. So just to sum it up, you don't necessarily have to be, you don't have to invest in all dividend paying stocks and be limited to dividend income, but you're not necessarily going to be able to withdraw all of the earnings of your investments every year. You're not going to have a 10% withdrawal rate because of the 10% long-term average return. It's somewhere in between there. The general rule of thumb that people use is 4 to 5%, but like any rule of thumb, that's just general guidelines. We can put a much finer point on that for people that we do in-depth planning for. And be able to adjust accordingly with market conditions if that becomes necessary. All right, going to pause right here, take a short break. Going to be right back after these messages. Get those calls in now 627-7979 she's allison i'm kevin you're listening to dollars and common sense on am 790 wnis And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the uh, dialog box there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you that information. If you want to call us at the office, speak to a live human being because you've got particular questions, we'd love to hear from you, 757-456-2200. Our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, March 28th at 6 p.m., our next live show anyway, will be in two weeks on Tuesday, March 28th. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday or our rebroadcast on Saturday morning following the show, then get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. And we are on Facebook and LinkedIn as Wealthway Financial Advisors. Seek us out, and once every week you will get a interesting and informative financial planning post. All right. Tonight we're busting myths. Oh, that's a show, isn't it? Mythbusters. <laughs> Mythbusters. Did you ever watch that show? No. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, we're busting myths tonight. We're talking about what exactly is the stock market, breaking it down so you understand. We've talked about 
earnings, dividends, and withdrawal rates. And so the next big myth we would be remiss if we did not address is market timing. Um, I think the myth exists. People, so many people out there hold on to this Oh, they don't shred of hope. They don't think it's a myth. They think it can be done. They yes. just haven't figured it out, found the right person to do it yet. Right. Yes. Well, anyway, they think market timing works. To your point, I just got to find my guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's a guy. Well, it's not possible for anyone to consistently time the market. Some people can get lucky from time to time, have a good pick, have a good run, but to consistently time the market, there is no perfect solution. And if there was, I would be on a beach somewhere <laughs> with a Mai Tai in my hand right now. Yeah, you or me or somebody else would have figured out the secret formula by now. But since no one has, we know for a fact that market timing, uh, consistent marketing timing is impossible. Not only can it not be done, but it is ruinous to your long-term financial health. Because what it does is it takes um, the odds of successful investing and turns them against you. So, and turns it into more akin to gambling. The shorter time frame you make trading decisions, buying and selling, so whether that's daily, weekly, or monthly, even sometimes annually, um, the sooner you make those, those trading decisions, the greater the probability is that you are going to be wrong and that um, the outcome is going to go against you. So it's like, it's like in, in Vegas, you know, gambling, it, so it turns into gambling. Gambling is when the odds are not in your favor, but you participate in the game of chance anyway in the hopes that you get lucky, that for a period of time that you're in Vegas from Friday through Sunday, that, you know, the, 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 the winds of fortune smile upon you and you walk out with more cash than, than you went in. But the longer you stay in Vegas, the greater the probability is you're going to walk out with a less money and probably a lot less money. And you'd probably be happy you still have the shirt on your back because the odds are in the favor of the house when you gamble. And that's what you turn investing into when you trade short term trying to time the market. You become an investor when the odds, the probability of success is in your favor, when the probability of a positive outcome is greater than a negative outcome, that you're going to have more money in the future than you have today. That's, and you do that by being a goal-focused long-term investor. And by long-term, we typically are talking at least five years, probably closer to 10. But in all practicality, if you uh, do it properly, you do your financial planning properly, you are going to be an investor for over your entire lifetime. And that's when you maximize the greatest gain from investment markets is over a long period of time. Yes, historically, if you look at history, there are more positive days than negative days. There are more positive months than negative months, quarters, years. So the odds are in your favor if you can just stick to it long term. But, you know, there are going to be the pullbacks. That was the first myth we busted was that it's not going to be a straight, up, straight line up. 
Um, and so that's where the financial planning is so important, keeping your eye on the true goal of, you know, where are you from a financial perspective and are you on the path that you want to be on and how are you going to get there and how are you going to plan for these temporary temporary declines in market, um, not not a complete loss in value, just a temporary loss in value. And I should expand on that. Like um, being a long-term investor does not necessarily mean you invest in the same thing over the entirety of your lifetime. It is entirely reasonable and proper to occasionally make changes to the underlying investment in your portfolio if certain uh, circumstances, uh, if certain circumstances change in your life, number one would be the, the most uh, important reason. But also if some of the underlying, the fundamentals of the underlying investments, the companies themselves have changed to make it less desirable. Because we know in a capitalist economy, there are always winners and losers. Um, investments in Sears and Roebuck in 1940 is a lot different than investing in Sears and Roebuck Roebuck in 2023. <laughs> so uh, some active management of the portfolio is uh, reasonable and responsible, but at a high level and with a very low frequency. And we were talking about being an investor for long term, time is your friend when investing. There's another myth that, you know, well, I'll, I'll get to that later. I can always catch up when it comes to saving for retirement. Retirement's this big unknown way out in the future. Time is your friend. It is really about time in the market, not timing the market. So um, it's never too late to start. We don't want to discourage anyone from starting, but Start as soon as possible, invest as soon as possible, and and you will be richly rewarded. Yes, because it doesn't take a lot of money to one day have a lot of money if you have a lot of time. And so if you're relatively young in your 20s and 30s, that's the time to start contributing to your company retirement plan, even if it's $10 a paycheck or whatever. Getting started in the habit is the most important thing and try to increase the amount of the contribution to your investment plan every time you get a pay increase or when life circumstances permit. So you have a long time horizon. It doesn't take a lot of money to ultimately have a lot of money, but you got to get after it. All right, we got to get out of here today because we are out of time, but we will be back in two weeks on Tuesday, March 28th at 6 p.m. as usual. In the meantime, if you'd like uh, more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. For certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. 